Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. An ordained minister has decided to give up God for a year. How the heck do you just up and become atheist after being a pastor? What I'm most worried about right now is figuring out how I can live openly and honestly. I am finally free to be me. I have no idea how to find friends or become a part of a community that's not religious. What does life look like after church, after religion, after God? That's, you know, that's, that's it in a nutshell. This is the Life After God podcast, a conversation on the space between belief and unbelief and beyond with your host, Ryan Bell. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Life After God podcast. My name is Ryan Bell and I'm your host. This is episode 39 and I have, uh, I know I say this every week, but I have a really special treat for you today. Uh, We have never had at this point uh, a musician on the show who actually played music on the show, but that's what happened this last week as we recorded the podcast. I had the privilege of having Gabby Gordon on the program. She is based here in Los Angeles. She's a Danish American singer and songwriter. I first heard her perform here in Los Angeles at Sunday Assembly during the second month of my year without God, February 2014. And I was just so um I guess still in the in the thick of all of the the craziness that was swirling around uh, year without God and I had you know intended to go uh, to a Sunday assembly for quite a while and uh, she was doing the music that day along with uh, a few uh, band members that were supporting her and I, one song in particular uh, stood out to me and I went home uh, after that and and wrote her on Facebook and just thanked her for the for the song and sort of told her what it had uh, meant to me. It was a year, almost a year later that I spoke uh, for Sunday Assembly here in Los Angeles, and we've crossed paths a few times there and stayed in touch on Facebook and so forth. So it was just uh, super awesome to have her over uh, to the studio uh, along with her husband, Ronan Gordon. Ronan, for his own part, is a very talented and accomplished musician as well. Um, Ronan was born in Jerusalem in Israel, and uh, has had a passion for music all of his life. He is a, an accomplished drummer and performs with Gabby and with uh, other folks as well, teaches drums at Musicians Institute here in Los Angeles. And uh, the two of them came over, and we had an amazing conversation. Um, you know, her from Denmark, him from Israel, uh, both of them coming from very different backgrounds, but finding each other here in Los Angeles and sort of finding each other in skepticism as well and and really um, connecting over music. So it's a fascinating story, very unique story, and one I am so I'm happy to have have the chance to record and share with you. So uh, it's a little, uh, perhaps a little bit longer, maybe 10, 15 minutes longer than um, what I usually do here at uh, the Life After God podcast. So I'm not going to take any more time. I'm going to jump right into it. 
If you want to learn more about the Life After God podcast, please visit us at our website, lifeaftergod.org. Feel free to drop me an email anytime with uh, comments, suggestions, um, adoring praise for all the great work we're doing. Ryan at lifeaftergod.org. Thanks so much for tuning in, and please uh, enjoy uh, this conversation with Gabby and Ronan. I first met you guys at Sunday Assembly, and um, it was February 2014, the second month of my year without God, and you guys were playing music for, for Sunday Assembly, and you played this song, Power, um, and I, I went straight home and wrote you. On fa- I found you on Facebook. I like stalked you and found <laughs> you on Facebook, which I guess is, you know, like you have a public profile. That's what people are supposed to do. Yeah. And, uh, and messaged you and said how much I appreciated the song. Yeah, that was awesome. And I appreciated your speech and I was super impressed by your journey and, and I've followed you since, you know, stalked you on Facebook. So there we go. Interest is mutual, Ryan. Secretly, you're not. That's, it's a secret up, up until now. Up yeah. until now. It's now it's done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and then I've, I've heard you play music at Sunday Assembly one other time, and uh, we've just sort of stayed in contact through social media. But it's super exciting to have you guys here. Yeah. Wow. I hope we live up to the uh, expectation. Yeah. yeah. No, I've had some, I've had some uh, really important people in here, and, and now <laughs> you are topping that list. And, and Oliver's been a good host, I think. He's been excellent. Yes. And we we've had Iron Triangle beer. I just like to do a little uh, yeah, a little shout uh, out. Excellent. Yeah, this this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Iron Triangle. Uh, they have not paid me any money for that promotion, <laughs> but uh, but we're enjoying and we're enjoying the beer nonetheless. Yeah. So anyway, um, so it's it's great to have you guys here. And it was super last minute, and I appreciate you making the time. And and that song that you played that day I first met you, um, I think I've persuaded you to play the song for us in just a minute. Yeah, I'll be yeah. happy to whip up some musical jam. That's great. Yeah, you, you brought your, your keyboard and everything. So super exciting. And uh, before we get to that, though, I want to, uh, I just want to find out more about your your story. We um, On this podcast, I basically just try to get people's background, their story, their spiritual and religious um, biography. And uh, I know we were talking offline, and and you have a, like a, a super interesting story. So, why don't you just tell me like your sort of your earliest religious memories? Like, what do you what do you where does it begin for you? Oh, well, I was born and raised in Denmark in Scandinavia, and um, I grew up in a non-religious home. Um, that's pretty typical in Denmark, I would say. And um, my father was an atheist, and. I, my earliest memory was definitely the question I put to my mother, is there a God? I don't know why I suddenly asked that, you know, at the age of five or six. Um, but I remember her giving me a, an open-ended answer that left it, you know, open to interpretation, even to my young ears. I was like, okay, she's not saying no, there is no mm-hmm. God. And and it, it just, um, it, it sort of got my my fantasy going at the at that i remember that pretty clearly mm. and um but that was really as much influence as i had there was no other people in my environment that were really sort of uh influencing me um 
But then I started my life changed. My parents got divorced and we moved um, to Switzerland where my stepfather lived and we moved around a bunch and I started feeling this need to belong and have stability um, and uh, some kind of spiritual stability, I suppose, and asked to be baptized, oh, uh, which, wow. which we'd never been um, because my dad, did I mention to say that already? We're not. I'm not sure either way. My dad didn't want us to be, but um, but then I decided yes, let's do this, and we got baptized and confirmed some years later. Was that like a Catholic church or like no, Lutheran or Protestant something? Christian? Okay. Um, and and then you just go. Most kids tend to get baptized there, and then you get confirmed as a yeah, teenager. Right. Yeah. And uh, we went through that process while we were living abroad in in Prague. Me and my brother would you know do Bible study. Oh yeah. Learn about the Bible together. And my mom would help us with the homework, and we'd send it back to the priest. Um, <laughs> I did the same, only yeah. in a much more like evangelical context. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the pastor would come to the house and like study with me, and uh, that was exclusive. Check my, I know, right? I had a private thing with the, the pastor. <laughs> not like that though. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little suggestive. Yeah, no, 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 not like that, not like that. <laughs> No, but this, he was a very nice man too. Um, but I'm afraid not the most inspiring, um, type of educator. <laughs> and uh, I remember very clearly we were standing there at the altar, you know, where you're supposed to say the, I think it's the, the Lord's, uh, uh, one of those speed prayers. The I Lord's prayer. Yeah, yeah. I forgot it now. And, um, it's just as well. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was seared into my brain at this point. And, uh, my brother, he leans over to my mom. He goes, mom. I don't think I believe this stuff. And she goes, Nick, sh- shut the hell up. The party's paid for. We're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the wedding good. must, I mean, the yeah. baptism yeah. must go on. Yeah, and that sort of clearly put him on a path. He became kind of a nerdy, science you know, spaceships and stars kind of a, a guy. And I definitely went the other direction okay. and became very fascinated with all things spiritual. I, some people started coming into my life that could see auras or had imaginary friends and could talk to them. And, you know, uh, psychics. I just would meet these people and mm. who had these experiences, supernatural experiences. And I was just fascinated and totally jealous and wanted my own superpowers. And um, <laughs> Was this while you're still in Switzerland that this is happening? It was happening over a bunch of countries. We yeah. would meet like these kinds of people, wow. but mainly Prague at the time. Yeah. And, and then beyond, after Prague, England, and then Berlin, and then wow, came to the States. Wow, you guys were all over the place. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and then once I came to the States, especially LA, you know, the, California's the place to come for new age alternative spirituality (laughs) alternative spirituality and um i definitely lapped it all up and i would just immerse myself in this world of laws of attraction and uh try try to find these people who could cultivate my own psychic abilities and help me find myself and be a person in the world um and that's that's my journey and i lived that for the first couple of years and then i met ronan ronan is also here with us <laughs> hi ronan hi thanks for having us you're the husband i am yes <laughs> and apparently the savior oh okay <laughs> well give us your apparently very humble yes yeah. exactly exactly <laughs> give us your um i guess your religious backstory and yeah you were you were uh born and raised in israel i guess yeah so um 
coming from like what I like to call like the mouth of madness, where I was born in Jerusalem, and from a very young age, um, I think I realized okay, there's there's a lot happening in this old city that people have been talking about. So there's a lot of uh, action going on, and you know, is growing up in Israel. There's a it's almost it's almost like there's two realities. There's a there's a secular world where you know you're kind of you're born as you're a Jew and and that's your heritage and then there's a there's your uh, country's history you know it goes back 60 years to the founding uh, the, the founding process of, of Israel and then it goes way back and that's where things kind of that's where history and and religion kind of mythology mythology kind of like- and then it's like you're 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 in in school and you're learning your history and you're learning your biblical history and it's it's just a mix of of like the lines are kind of blurred at that point and as a kid you don't really realize you think yeah well i wonder where the the story of noah happened and you know cuz <laughs> cuz they talk about mountains and and hills and valleys and cities and you're like yeah that's like Right an there. hour away from here in Bethlehem, and I've I know that is right. So it's it's much more of a it, it's confusing because it's it's real, but also it's it's just kind of like uh, these fantastic stories of magical beings and. Um, it would like yeah. be hearing like stories of Lord of the Rings and yeah. actually living in yeah. Middle Earth. In Middle Earth, yeah. And, and you're being like, like Frodo's oh, corner is like right, right down right there. there. Like, yeah, the the Frodo. Except that you've, nobody's ever seen a hobbit. Yeah, no, exactly. They used to used right. to live here. Right. Wow, I never and, thought of it that way. That's yeah. so amazing. And you're like, yeah, of course they used to live there because that's the name of the street and the hill. So why why would they name that hill any other name? <laughs> it must be true. It must be true. So as a kid, you just don't know that. Uh, fortunately, there's a good secular system of education. and um, And my parents come from... I think my parents' experience of uh, coming from uh, they they li- they grew up in in Latvia, but back then it was a part of the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you have a communist regime, you know that says okay, you guys are part of the system. All of a sudden they experience, I think, what I, I don't know, maybe a different version of. Uh, of organized religion, where all, all of a sudden the state is the religion. Yeah, you just replace your your church with with the the leader of the party. Right, exactly. So so they they came to Israel when they were able to leave Latvia um, or leave the the gri- the grasp the grip of the Soviet Union. They they you know they had a more of a suspicious outlook on on religion. So was that in the like in the 40s when the they, nation of uh, Israel was founded? Well, Israel was founded in the 40s, but but they were able to leave uh, later in the late 60s. Okay. There were like several uh points where the Russians said, "Okay, you can leave now." I see. Um so yeah, they they, they had a very suspicious mindset of or organized anything. So right. organized religion besides and, the party. Yeah, yeah. So th- they were like very suspicious about joining any any group too soon. They kind of like wanted to enjoy their freedom. So coming to Israel was a big, big step. And we grew up in a. It's weird. My my grandparents were religious, but they were like, 
you know, for them going to the synagogue was like a, a it's like it's like showing like in Russia in Russia they couldn't do that. So like going to the synagogue, being showing that you're Jewish was something like amazing. It was like a a part of of, of their life. Like you could show that you're free. You you can mm. go and like that's like for them freedom of religion was right. really something for them. So for them being able to identify as Jews and like a national pride yeah, too, like an was, ethnic pride. Yeah, and 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 yeah, that's because really religion is mixed in that. It, it becomes a part of the national character. Right. So it's, although the, the people who founded Israel were very much secular, mm-hmm. almost to the point where they, they saw the, the founder of the country, uh, Theodore Herzl, he was very much in the mindset of like the Christian culture of the European, uh, European culture where they moved away from their religion and they're kind of more secular. He wanted Israel to be that type of country. He wanted European Jews to come to Israel and really make it a European country. So that was their, um, yeah, that was the, that was the experience I lived. I lived like in this Zionist secular society yet at the same time, proud of their biblical ancient history of, of like this, with this is our land. And it's like, well, okay, what, where it's like, Oh, here's the story 2000 years ago. And, Here's the proof and all these magical stories kind of start coming in and all the holidays, you know, every year there's, you have the story of uh, Exodus from Egypt where all these magical things happened and right. so every holiday there's like a miracle because, you know, in, in Hanukkah there was like a, that's the temple, they saved the temple for extra days and right. in, in Passover, God let them go through the Red Sea. So there's there's a lot of these <laughs> things we consider like, oh yeah, that's we're celebrating a holiday, but they're so intertwined with right. religion. So uh, fortunately, I was able to kind of keep a good balance between the m- magical stories and the historical stories. Right. And finding a way to live, yeah, respecting religion, but also at the same time, um, yeah, having the kind of the good teachers to tell you, okay, you, you know, you don't have to take every sentence like it's it's directly, a, you know, written by God. And this is a exact, you have to follow every step. Right. And while at the same time living in Jerusalem, you can, a couple of blocks away, I had Orthodox Jews who, you know, you could, you know, I, I know what's a equivalent, but you could think about the Amish. You know, at a certain point, they decided... Right. This is good enough. No new information is necessary. <laughs> no new technology. <laughs> that is, we they they dress like you know if you see like see like Shinjo's list and they kind of like they look like Jews from the early nineteenth centuries. Yeah. They still wear the same dress and the same dress code, and they speak Yiddish. They don't speak Hebrew. They live in Israel. Right. They don't consider themselves uh, citizens of Israel. Yeah, I mean they are, but they're not. Uh, they're not a part of the society because they believe that all the only reason they're in Israel is to just to pray, right? Study the the book and 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 worship God, and that's it. So they don't work, they don't participate in society. They're very closed. It's it's almost like a, a small cult, right? And then you have all these, you know, just like any religion, like one sect is like we do this, and then they decide to adjust one thing, and then it becomes a whole other sect, and you have these hundreds of small sects of versions of Judaism of right. like strict or more open and so it's it's just fascinating to, for me i remember just 
being aware of that at a young age of like there's so many versions of this of this of being a Jew or being Jewish mm-hmm. that it's kind of like you choose what you kind of pick and choose like these guys are extremists or less extreme you want to you know it's like it's like a buffet of of religion right you know and then by the way oh yeah there's all these mosques and churches by the way and they have their own story forget about like you know right. they have a different there's like one. a whole other lineage everything is like in like I don't know, four or five blocks. Did you grow up with a real awareness of the Christians and Muslims around you? Yeah, yeah. It was pretty obvious that there were other people with different story. Um, well, I mean, the majority of the people I interacted with were were um, were Jew- Jewish people, Israelis. Right, of course. But yeah, but there's a there's a there's a big community of of Israeli Arabs, and there's always this this. Being aware and connected to to the people of the of that place, right? So, yeah, we we kind of knew that. Yes, we come from a different country, and and they're they're kind of like more the local mm-hmm. flavor of the land, and whatever the people that that were there yeah. most recently before yeah. Israel. Yeah, and 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 we also had Jews that came from Arabic countries, so, right? So all of northern Africa. Uh, Tunisia, Morocco, mm-hmm. Egypt, and then you have more, uh, you know, further north, uh, Lebanon and Syria and Iran and Iraq. All had all these Jews. It's it's like Israel became like this melting pot, mm-hmm. and and there's it's it's kind of like I don't know if you take take Manhattan or Long Island, and it's just you pack it with millions of people from all over the world, and you're like, all right. Yeah, all have your own interesting, fascinating stories. Get along, right? <laughs> you have, you believe you're all right. Uh, yeah. figure it out. Right, and it's just, it's just so, it's such a melting pot. It's just so much energy in that place. It's fascinating, but at the same time, you realize that stressful. Yeah, yeah, it's because people really believe this stuff. This is, this is not. Oh, you know, it's just something they picked up in college. And right. they're like they're into it now. That's like their this, fraternity. Yeah. yeah, it's more important than it's that. It's really serious. It's, right. It's like this is where it happened. This is where it all starts. This means everything. This this means the world to right. some of these people. How and, old were you when you like left? Then you came. Uh, your family came to the U.S. or was it just you? I yeah. So I I kind of went to the Israeli army and and you do your service, your national oh, wow. service, yeah. and that's again another step. After you're done with high school, you go, you serve the country and, you know, pretty quickly after, you know, you, they you give you skills and they kind of train you to understand that you're a part of the system. You have a duty to pay back to the country that's given you something. And that's great. I think it's, 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 it's very important for a young person, especially at 18, where you think you're the most important thing on the planet. Right. And and yeah. then they're like, okay, uh, be quiet now. Here's your number. And you're a part of the system and you have to behave and understand your place in this in this world. So that was important. But pretty quickly I understood that music was always a very important part for me. Okay. And it kind of, growing up, I mean, I, I growing up in Jerusalem with, with suicide bombings and terror mm. attacks and constant. Um, wow. Just, you know, I've had, uh, next to my school, there were, there was one, uh, there was a bus, uh, suicide bomber on a bus. Mm. And, you know, that day the school was off and, you know, that day was, we just escaped that. But if you had been at school, there would have been casualties in the school. It was that it close? It was really close. So like that intersection that he blew wow. himself up, that was 
I walked there hundreds of times. Wow. And so it, it you know. That's before the wall and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so there's a lot of people moving to and fro. Yeah. So we, we had, we had, when I was growing up, I remember going up to the Temple Mount. Yeah. And, and wow. When you could still yeah, do that. Yeah, you could do that. And it was wow. cool. And yeah, was, I didn't get to go there. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, it's so charged now, but yeah. things kind of escalated fairly quickly mm-hmm. it started with rocks and stones on the weekends and then it's all of a sudden you couldn't go to certain areas yeah and certain neighborhoods and then certain cities were like off limits and then pretty quickly weapons and all of a sudden terrorists and then becomes more and more extreme like the more countermeasure the israelis would try and like block off a certain area it's kind of like a game of cat and mouse or right. like a chess. You take the, each side gets better by playing a better opponent. So you and that's like the out. 80s, right? Like that's yeah, in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I was born in the 80s. So I, I basically became aware of like there's this battle of ideas mm. mm-hmm. happening in, in this land. Right. Pretty much when I was, I think, six or seven. So you're, you're – you become, I don't know how often people say, yeah, I became politically active around six or seven. Right. Because all of a sudden you're like, you have right wing or left wing leaning friends in kindergarten or right. first grade. Well, yeah. you have to, like, I mean, I think in, this is a bit of a rabbit trail. We'll hopefully close this <laughs> rabbit trail soon. But but yeah, in, the, in, the, in a country like the United States where we have this relatively peaceful democracy and people step down from power after four or eight years, depending yeah. on how, you know, if they get reelected, you know, in, in a country like Israel, especially in the eighties, you know, you have to be politically active. It's, it's like every day you're confronted with these, you know, small P political questions about how yeah. do we live here? How do we <clears throat> live together? Can we live together? What do we do? Yeah. I mean, just, I remember having stickers on, on, on my wall, of like from political parties like uh don't let them throw us into the sea and all these like you know wow. kind of like i'm just thinking about it it's crazy that i was so young and just these are the things that i was you know i had transformer stickers and let's that prevent the the throwing of the jews into the sea right kinda, that's like the like on your it, computer, like stuck there, like, yeah, Transformers and yeah, then like, like political slogans. Yeah, I'm into this and I'm into like the right wing party, uh, like their politics. And I really like Optimus Prime. <laughs> it's just bizarre. And if we had Optimus Prime, we would not have to worry about yeah, all of this. Yeah, he would fix everything. He would so fix everything. It's weird because, I mean, clearly looking back, I didn't have the right tools to really understand the, the depth Correct, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that's what happens in politics. You know, politicians try to simplify things and, you know, they try to sell you the, the problem of now. Yes. When a lot of times problems started way, 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 way before everybody was born. No one even remembers why there's a problem, but we just know there's a problem. Right, yeah. Because wherever you happened. start telling the story, the person who can decide where the story begins yeah. controls the story. Exactly. True. Yeah. You know? So you're, you're, you're dealing with current issues, but with a, with a, you, you're kind of have this blind spot to what's happening right now because you're going back to the fourth, seventh century or first century where how far you want to go to where things happen as if that gives you evidence to anything that's relevant today. I remember when I was touring Israel and the the bus tour guide, you know, that was on the bus. Uh, and I was with a bunch of Christian pastors, so that's mm-hmm. the context. And he was talking a lot about 
um, you know how this land belongs to the Jews. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, really? Like, um, okay, <laughs> how do you, like, based on what? And, and of course, we're all conservative Christians, and so we believe in the Bible. Yeah, here's the uh, contract. There's a contract. Right, and he takes us to Genesis, and he says, yep. all the land here, this belongs. And I, 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 you could see the look on these conservative pastors' faces who had, up until that point, taken the Bible literally. And when this <laughs> Jewish tour guide applied that literally to a political situation, mm-hmm. you could see people go, Whoa. well, wait, how do I get out of this? Yep. How exactly. do I, you know, because either it's literal or it's not, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like it's either literal. And if it is literal, then the land does belong to the Jews mm-hmm. and you could wage war as like Joshua did yep. in the book of Joshua to take the land back yeah. based on this, you know, ancient Sumerian contract that you have in the book of Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, or it's not literal and it's a story and yeah. we have to deal with the, the present political reality based on you know, present political tools that yeah, we have. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you can't have it both ways, but it was just such an interesting crisis moment, both for me, but I could see in my colleagues' eyes, all of the guys on that trip, yeah. and they were guys, and they were their wives sometimes, and, and my wife was there too. And you could see the look of like, Wait, this doesn't add up, but I'm not sure I can explain why. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's 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 the real consequence of of, of these ideas, you know. Right. They, actually, someone has to live this reality, and yeah. and yeah, and like I said, like in in my studies at school, like we used to have like what you call biblical study, but it was like more like like you said, these these are stories of our people, right? So these are stories, yeah, yeah founding and, myths. Yeah, so this is like. The best top seller, best book we've we <laughs> wrote back in the first century. That's our glory. That's the most amazing human achievement we were able to right. get in the first century. But since then, we're gonna also have biology and chemistry and other tools of science. We've we've moved forward from that. So right. there was always I've had you know conversations about stuff in the Bible, but it's interesting to explore that. Just as a human story, there's a lot of there's knowledge there. Sure, but and it's also I think there's a lot of great knowledge there because now we know how much they didn't know, right? And how they had to kind of round out some corners and make up a little bit. They were trying to do the best they could. Well, any culture, like any culture, when you look at the stories they tell, you learn something about them. Exactly. Not that the stories are true. I mean, to me, the question of whether, like, if you find. you know, a, a group of people that can trace their ancestors back to like a tribe in Brazil or something yeah. like that. Like, it's not a question of whether the stories they told are true or untrue. Like, mm-hmm. that's not even a really legitimate question of whether they're true yeah. or untrue. I mean, obviously, they're not all going to be legitimately true, but it does tell you something about them as a people that exactly. they would tell those kind of stories. And those, all those stories have similarities to them, you yeah. know, that these are stories of power. They're stories of legitimacy. Values. There's, right. Like yeah. those Babylonians conquered us and took us into exile, but we overcame and we rebuilt our city. Like, of yeah. course that's the story, right? Like yeah. that's, that's the kind of story you would tell. Yeah. So that's, that's where I, I kind of, that's why I got from those stories. It, I think, Coming to the States, I realized how seriously people take – I mean, obviously, I know how seriously people take religion in in Israel, but I, I kind of knew that, yes, they live it every day. They right. have to take it seriously. This yeah. is this is real to them. But leaving the, the state, leaving the, the Israel and going out, I was just 
blown away by the, the the amount of energy and devotion and and just certainty of certain ideas and stories that people had when they completely couldn't even like you said like oh wait this is real for someone actually that the you know that street or that hill did you in the book that's someone's actually fighting over that right now right can see it from their window waging war over whether like hobbiton was actually like <laughs> yeah belonged to frodo or belonged to somebody else yeah. Or, yeah yeah so so basically leaving israel and coming to the united states was you know at that point i was i wasn't you know i kind of realized okay i'm not religious Mm-hmm. I knew my Jewish history and I knew I'm I, I'm Jewish by kind of like being a part of this tribe right but I'm not a part of the the I don't know the the ritual or the I, I didn't the beliefs or beliefs, whatever. yeah and I certainly wasn't a part of the the more Orthodox more what you can what we consider in Israel religious people mm-hmm. I was I was proud to be secular but I I didn't really no one no one really talked to me about like Oh yeah, that's what that's what you're gonna be now. Right. So you just you just I just knew I'm not this and I'm not that, and that's it. I, I just didn't belong to all these different groups. You were kind of part of the mainstream of of the culture. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Actually, so then yeah. when you're the mainstream, you don't have to think so much about what you are. Yeah, it's not important. You're just normal. So yeah, to say. you're just yeah, you're just normal. And I just really found after the military service, I found that music was such an important part too. You know, when you live in a country where every hour people are just always checking the news, what's happening. It's like a news-obsessed country. People always want to know what's going on. The news is a huge thing. Politics and constant, you know, because there's like war every night on TV. There's something happening. So you're just just consumed by that. So music was a great escape you know mm-hmm. I, I i my first it's it's weird but my first drum studio was a bomb shelter because wow. every every what a great every use hum- for a bomb shelter yeah yeah so you know you're supposed to keep a certain space in case we have wars and and i remember being i think 13 12 or 13 and when the iraq war was happening and oh, yeah. saddam hussein was throwing rockets i had to run with a gas mask into a bomb shelter and and you know hope that Missiles are not going to come down. Fortunately, wow. I was in Israel, in, in in Jerusalem, so all of my relatives from Tel Aviv moved from Tel Aviv from the coast because he was bombing the coast. Right. They moved to to live with us for right. about a month and a half, and we were like with gas mask, and all of a sudden you have to learn how to inject yourself with uh, there's like a syringe. You have to if you, if there's like chem, a get chemical gas, you know all these. Things you, you you don't think as a twelve year old kid you right. have to go like well in case of uh, uh, a nerve gas attack right. you should inject yourself with this epipen that has a specific antidote for the gas wow and you're twelve and you have to go get training and all that and the my whole daughter's family. twelve and so I'm just trying to imagine her like having to do yeah that. and you're like in case of a missile attack missile attack so it, things are just the just the scope of of reality living in that in that wow. country and even recently like you know they had a rocket attack recently and i have 
nieces and nephews in Israel now, and they they know what to do in case of a rocket attack. They know where to go, where to run. We did earthquake drills. Yeah, <laughs> we had remember? to go under the desk and yeah. Like, remember the like I think like those movies that the duck and with the atom bomb. Thing yeah, against the Soviets uh, where the atom bomb like uh, tuck and roll whatever the the <laughs> get duck under a, a table or something. Right, right, right. So you know, you realize this. This is like how the society is charged. Like that's the level of readiness. You, the population has to be kind of right huddled together, be ready for for the situation. So again, the music was always this escape tool. It was. It was first of all, it was universal, and 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 coming to America was very close. It was very felt very natural because. American culture is very close to is and everybody living in Israel you we all have TV shows and and American culture and we always had those you know those stories of these preachers who come to Israel and do these like <laughs> like you know you kind of hear these stories of mega churches and all the, right. the the people who touch people and they fall and all these kind of magical things you kind of almost look at it as like a bit of a circus <laughs> in Israel because I don't know. We have the old school, and that seems like the new, new school of of like it's a more theatrical and it's, it's kind of funny. Looking <laughs> yeah, at yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So yeah, we we had we had some channels on TV that they kind of sometimes they would show that. <laughs> I think it was called the Seven Hundred Club. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat Robertson's yeah, channel. Yeah, yeah. And it it was just it was just it was. At first, when you started describing that, I thought you meant like a comedy TV show that was like making fun of that. But you're actually talking no, about no, the, the actual, the actual thing. That, yeah, was, yeah, that yeah. was the real That's thing. That's the real deal. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, at the same time, we also have the whole Islam, uh, you know, the whole historical and, and, and the people living there and their their whole cult culture there as well. Right. Which is like, again, another whole world of of uh, conflicting ideas at times. Right. To, to you know, not, it was kind of like at times – uh, West Western values. When I was growing up, it's kind of like, oh, we're because we're Western, and they're they're not. They don't like the West. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, they don't like Jews, and they don't like the Jewish faith. And then it was like, okay, they also have a problem with Christianity, and it's kind of like just became, you know, you be you become you. At first, I thought it was like more of a political battle, and then you grow up and you realize there's just there's there's a background to all of this that's more biblical in right. nature and there's again like you said the conversation it's all of a sudden we're not even talking about political problems we're talking about deep history and and verses and quotes that just why why is it relevant it's all to, mashed together yeah and yeah. all of a sudden you feel like wait now i have to be proficient in every holy text to to talk about solving this issue right where why yeah so you could just get discouraged about the situation and yeah yeah i think that's what people in israel they try they try to live in the real world and at the same time they have to come to grip with this worldview that a lot of people in that area hold of this prophecies and magical things that gonna happen and you just wait is someone someone's coming back and something's gonna happen so yeah it's a very uh interesting right yeah, world to kind of constantly juggle reality and mysticism in a way. Right. Yeah. So take me to where you guys met, Gabby. Tell me, like, or or maybe that's not the next step. I don't know. Like, where 
Where do you want to go next? Yeah. I just want to say, I think it's super interesting to listen to Ronan Tully. There's a lot of, I'm learning about your, your past from <laughs> this interview. That's awesome. Um, I mean, we go, well, we go to Israel um, a lot. We've been, we've been to the, the old city in Jerusalem and the, the, like the old the ancient sites. So, you, you know, when you see it, I think you were mentioning that when you saw it for the first time, it kind of hit you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that it's interesting. We come from two very different backgrounds. You were sort of immersed in a religious uh, part of the world and it's in your face. And, and that had an effect on how you came out of religion. And I came from, uh, even though you were secular, it was just, I mean, yeah. always around, always you. around you. And yeah. I grew up in, in probably the most secular part of the world in Scandinavia. And, right. um, and I think I wanted something special to latch on to and wanted something colorful and exciting and bigger than um, maybe that appealed to my sort of artistic dramatic sensibilities mm-hmm. uh, and um, and and yeah that's what that's what took me on that journey and when you and I met um, we just started having conversations about it didn't we you know yeah. it's sort of like being spiritual was a big deal for me at the time so it would come up very often with people I would meet and yeah. and we quickly established that we definitely didn't share the same opinion and we would just have these back and forth conversations about it and I would pull up these books I was reading and you would reference something else and I always felt like I was coming up short in my arguments <laughs> and I just yeah. at the end of the day we this was over obviously like the first couple of years of our relationship I would say right. but yeah we definitely I personally felt like it always stopped at the choice to believe, um, making that leap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I couldn't justify making that leap anymore. It just at a certain point felt super silly, especially because I felt I'd had so many experiences being a spiritual person and living that realm that had really damaged me and made me mm-hmm. like a little messed up in the head. Well, let's, let me, let me stop right there and actually say and ask you, like, what did your spiritual exploration like how many first of all how many years did you spend kind of really diving into that kind of spiritual world Mm, i would say it was definitely from the age of like 13 onwards 13 to 18 okay started you know the auras and the crystals and being into sort of cutesy fairies and and Mm -hmm. angels and energy and right um psychic abilities and i would then I saw, you know became aware of religions of the world and at school they would present us with religious studies like and show us the different religions, um, and there wasn't you know an option of a non-religion right, right. at the end of the book yeah. like there's also these people who don't you know adhere to any kind of religion so it kind of felt like a menu of pick one you right know? right that was the same for me it was like yeah you you well you got to be somewhere but there is no there other. was no other right. Yeah. And I thought Buddhism w- looked best at the time. It was more peaceful, in my opinion. And yeah. so I started, you know, getting into that here in LA. I'd go to the Bodhi Tree bookstore and, like, look up all these, you know, spiritual ways to find myself. And um, were you asking me about why I had a negative impression of it? No, I was, I was really just wanting to know, like, you, you mentioned how that worldview or that mindset did damage to you. And I, yeah. I would love to know about that. But I also am curious if it helped you in some way, too. At first, or did it evolve from like being this like um, it it kind of helped you find your place in the world for a minute, and then it started having a negative effect? Or 
How did that? I think that it was deceptively helpful. It was right. like these, it's like when you go to a conference a sp- uh, and you get a boost for a weekend and then you go home to the real world mm. and, uh, and you have to apply it. You know, I'd go listen to these gurus talk or go have a psychic tell me something important about myself and I'd lap it up and... um and then I would go home and try to decipher how that was all going to happen for me and what these messages they were interpreting for me meant. And um, so I was on a high from that initial meeting because they would tell me, you know, things were going to be great. They always tell you positive messages. And then, uh, and then of course, things would go wrong and I'd sit there and think, what the fuck? You know, I'm not attracting the right energy. You know, my juju's <laughs> off and I don't have, you know, the laws of attraction down yet. And, um, and so I think the way it was damaging was that... It, Sure, it allowed me to have a lot of emotional expression, you right. know, um, you, you're delving into like existential questions, but you're trying to answer them. I was trying to answer them by letting other people tell me what what is real. I like psychics and oh, yeah. and spiritual healers and people who could see auras. And, uh, and I think that the way it was damaging is that I put myself in a very vulnerable position where I give them all this power, you mm. know, over me. Wow. Um, which is yes <laughs> hint hint um and i would just get wound up with people you know when you open the door to spirituality and you make that leap especially new age community i think it's you are allowing everything in you right. are saying yeah fairies demons um dragons you know rocks that talk dragons whatever you want to <laughs> believe angels the inanimate parts yeah. of your house have energy yeah. Yeah. right like absolutely influence yes. you mm-hmm. yeah it's all possible right so if you're hearing voices in your head sure you know that's totally real i mean i read conversations with god you know this book right. series and then sure not <laughs> surprise like two weeks later i woke up in the middle of the night and i was having this full-blown conversation with god and it was real and i woke up my mother up to tell her about this profound thing you know and she looked a little worried at the time and <laughs> patted me on the head and I went back to bed, you know, Ugh. but I was like having this euphoric night, right? Mm. And and I'm just thinking to myself, well, that's, now I think of that and it's just totally crazy. You know, I was sort of convincing myself I was ha- I was having a full, hearing voices in my head. It's almost like a, like a drug trip. Like you're, Definitely. you're having these really crazy experiences, yeah. which seem super real when you're having them. Absolutely. But when you come down from it, you're like, oh, that was quite a trip. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like when those people in the church and they fall backwards and they get hysterical and they're like shaking all over and having these very real symptoms of their, you know, spiritual awakening. It, I think it's like psychosomatic. And and I it's sort of, I felt like over the years I was becoming quite psych. Psychotic. Maybe that's an extreme word to use, but I mean, if I was just experiencing things in a way that was, I don't think, healthy for this for a person who mm. needs to live in the physical real world, right? And and um, I was getting myself wound up with people who I put my trust in because I would say, oh well, we met for a reason, you know, this creepy old dude at the bookstore who I'm going to go sit in the park with and he's going to play me his flute and like talk about how. You know, God talks to him that, through that rocks. actually happened. Yeah, you know, that's valid. And I probably shouldn't have been driving anywhere with this guy as an 18-year-old. And um, But I was just like, it's whatever, man, you know? <laughs> was, and, and I would just lap up their words. And it's kind of humorous now, but I would really um, submerge myself at like almost cultish, you know, just like, 
allowing other people to tell me what's real mm. and, and then get frustrated that I didn't have answers and, and, and wonder why I had no capabilities. And speaking of music, I would, you know, I thought I had divine channeling through my music. So everything that I would come up with was like a godsend mm. and, and it made me trust my abilities. Like if I sit down right now, it's because God's trying to talk through me, you know, through music. And, um, that was very powerful for me. It moved me. And, mm -hmm. and I felt like what I, my purpose in life was to do this. So, so very seduced by it. Mm. But, but then I think ultimately it doesn't help. And I'll just mention one other thing that in a way that I think can be damaging is, for example, like I would not seek out the right help that I would need, right? So I would, for example, one time I was in an airport and I, what I now can recognize was like a full-blown anxiety attack just mm. in the middle of this airport. And, and you know, someone had to go get me ice cubes to put down my back. I mean, I was just stressing out like crazy. And at the time I was... I told myself, oh, well, it's like I must have like brushed shoulders with someone who had a demon on them or, you know, it's just super bad energy that I'm like taking on. Right. And that's making me have this attack. Wow. Whereas like now I would totally be like, homegirl, you need to go see a psychologist, you know, get some cognitive behavioral therapy and some skills to deal with your anxiety because yeah. that's what it is. Right. It's not some demon. And, you know, that would have been a healthy response. But instead, I was like, oh, it's just the negative energy and the vibes of some creepy stranger. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it's, it's a little right. psycho. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's how I think it can go really wrong. <laughs> And so when you um, when you guys met, were you still kind of in that world? Mm. And you sort of were like, you seem yeah. like a nice person, but that's crazy. Or yeah, it, I thought I think the spirit when I came to it, like the spirituality seemed like cool. It was like refreshing, like yeah, all these crystals and you know, it was like I think that the interesting part was that they they kind of brought a lot of pseudo concepts from the east right like eastern philosophies that you know very that, that's the, the interesting part is that it always has something that really appeals to people it, it has some mm -hmm. some knowledge and and actual you know worthy things to explore but it also intertwined at the same time with super magical unbelievable tool set that that just doesn't give the the the, the yeah. participant the, the ability to judge okay this is where you need this tool right you know if because it's it's like giving someone a magic wand that that might be good for poking into a little hole but you can't move a mountain of right. of, of emotional trauma with that magical wand or it's good for a three-year-old to play pretend but when you're yeah. 18 exactly. or 19 yeah. or 25 yeah now it's just a little piece of plastic or a piece of metal or something yeah. it's not yeah. you know yeah it's appropriate at a certain point but then you become more aware of what's real yeah and i think you, you said something really profound i think which is that you know as a as a person living in the real world you need to be able to distinguish between what's real and what's not yeah yes. and i think people who are genuinely psychotic can, you know have lost at least momentarily or maybe permanently who knows depends on the person yeah. the ability to do that they've lost the ability yeah. to say um you're real i'm sitting here talking to you you're real mm -hmm. the person who seems like they're in my left ear here 
that's just a voice in my head. Yeah. Right. And yeah. when you're, you know, when you're schizophrenic, for example, like you can't make those distinctions. It all seems yeah. muddled up in your head. And right. Yeah. I think it's like it was, a self-induced kind yeah. of psychosis. It, yeah. And it was, it was totally self inflicted, you know, but all based on these intentions of wanting to be a, a good person in the world and like have a deeper pr- a sense of self and develop my my sense of, of self. So what was the yeah. breaking point for you? Can you think of a moment that was like, wait a minute, I have to rethink this? Well, I I think it might have been before I even met you when I went and I actually did seek out some therapy, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and uh, I had told the therapist, she was a regular clinical psychologist, I believe, and she had... Um, I told her that I was into spirituality and stuff, or, you know, I'd use the phrase, I don't believe in, you know, the typical God, but I'm spiritual type of right. thing. And, um, and then like session two or three, she stopped mid sentence and said, I just want to let you know, I'm, I'm having a moment where I'm channeling something on your behalf. I just want to share this. I have to share this Ooh. message with you. Whoa. Um, and this was my therapist, right? And she started going into this five minute monologue um, of channeling positive psychic messages to me. And what? Of, yeah. And mm. at the time, of course, I was like, oh, wow. You know, I felt very special, special. and flattered. And right. um, again, just sucked in and and went away thinking about it. And then I woke, I came out of my haze a little. And I was like, that was pretty fucked up. That was my clinical therapist muddying the waters between, you know, a very distinguished um uh, pr- profession, I think, or field, right? With with something completely unrelated and not, you know. So for her to do it seemed odd to you, yeah. Even did. though you were prone to yeah, do it, because I, I saw them as two separate things. You know, right. clinical psych- therapy is this yeah. dry, like you know, worldly science. sciencey Science, stuff, yeah, yeah. which I sort of wrote off because I think it closes your mind to spirituality. Was my thinking at the time, mm-hmm. and then. Um, and then, whoa, here she is, like now t- talking my language. And I just was like, this is weird. And um, I came to you because you're <laughs> different than me, right? Yeah. Like, if I wanted to hear that, I could go, like, yeah. talk to my girlfriend over here who will. I have exactly. this rock that's yeah. excellent. I think what it did is it uh, really to pinpoint it is that it awoke my skepticism for the first time in years. Wow. And I, I think steadily I had been giving that up that power away my skepticism and and that's what was awoken in that moment and then especially when i met ronan because he comes from a very skeptical mindset um because of how he grew up and then being jewish Jewish, yeah it's like question everything yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) i wish everybody could see what you do with your hands question everything with your hands kind of a bernie sanders like uh let me tell you something something. let me tell you something (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's awesome yeah so based on those conversations I definitely I admired that in Ronan when I first met him and I he was definitely an influence on me in that respect because he was the first person I'd met that was a very balanced individual um, a good person and had healthy interests and many interests and mm-hmm. um, and lived in the real world and was intelligent and I could see that there was a huge disconnect between my way of behaving and thinking and what I was experiencing and the way that he was thinking mm. and behaving and what he was experiencing. And I just saw that as more healthy yeah. um, over time. And and it, I definitely think since that point, I developed a healthy psychology over the years. Mm. Um, You've talked a few times now about 
like you've used this language of surrendering your power. And yeah. I mean, this is really, I think if I'm remembering correctly, what this song is about that you, that I first heard you perform, isn't it? I mean, did it come yeah. out of this experience, that yeah. song? Yeah, it did. Yeah. It was a, um, Ronan was part of the development of that song and we sort of hashed out some ideas, but it's, it is a mixture of people who took advantage of my, um, willingness to give them my power and, um, or at, trust or, or, or trust, trust and yeah. just abusing that. And then also this, this godly power yeah. that you're falling at the knees of, of this power, great unknown, this great whatever. unknown yeah. and, and people who know better, know better whether it's yeah. a priest or a spiritual healer, somebody who has knowledge over you that is supernatural and you are just handing yeah. your power to them and authority and I'm like it, it just it corrupts I think and yeah. what's implicit in that it seems to me and I think you bring this out in the song is that what's implicit in that is that you're not enough like you don't have the answer mm -hmm. right like yeah and of course no one of us has all the answers right like we have to turn to other people for resources but but you're talking about saying like I'm not enough as a core in the core of my being I'm not enough yeah exactly. I need this other person to validate me or make me better or something yes it's true and it's very flattering and i keep using the word seduced because it is kind of a seduction a you know when you yeah. meet i would like kind of like an obsessed groupie at, yeah it's comforting but i'd like also latch on to these spiritual healers and like you know because i i thought it made me somehow part of a higher plane you did know? you ever see the documentary kumare no Oh, I think um, you have to see this. Oh, wait, is this the one where he fakes being a healer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a guru. Yeah, yeah a guru. guru. Indian. The Indian yeah, guy. Yeah. He's yes. a vice reporter, I think. Yeah, and yeah. He, he basically starts off just curious, yeah. like, why people become followers of gurus. Mm -hmm. And he's, at, at first you think he's playing around, but he's genuinely curious like a journalist, because he, yeah. he's, he's a journalist. So, yeah. so he says, you know... Not not to make fun of anyone, but genuinely, like, why do people do that? Why do some people latch onto gurus? Maybe other people don't, or whatever. And he has this idea: the fake mm -hmm. uh, being uh, a yogi or mystical like, powers, yeah. mystic, yeah. And and uh, it's just it's a fascinating film on so many levels because at first it sounds like he's just exploiting people's trust, but there's some powerful lessons that come out of it. it, it, it those of you listening, if you haven't seen the film, I highly recommend it. Yeah. few, like about six or eight months ago, it was on Netflix. It may still be. So yeah. I think we saw it on we Netflix. We did see it, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. And it what you're saying reminds me of so much of some of the characters yeah. in, because it's a, a, it's a documentary, yes. isn't it? So the yeah. people in it are, are real people yeah. who, who are just um, so... And and I hope this doesn't sound offensive, but so gullible, totally yeah. gullible, very gullible, very. And the gullibility is a kind of almost a sweet innocence about Absolutely. it, Absolutely. right? It's yeah. not like a you're stupid, no, right. because it's not like oh you're gullible, meaning you're not intelligent. It's it's a kind of there's almost a kind of aspirational quality to it for me. Like I wish the world was like that. I wish that you could just implicitly trust everybody you meet, right? And just yeah. say, you have my best interest in heart. And I think you're, I just want to, I love you. I want to be your yeah. friend. And like, I'm going to let you have the keys to my house. And right. I'm going to like, let you watch my children because what could possibly go wrong with that? Right? right. Like as imagine if we lived in that world, that would be an amazing <laughs> world to live in, but we don't live in that world. Right. Yeah. So, and I think I think and and, and I, I know in some in some religions they they kind of evoke that childlike 
Right, Christianity trust. specifically speaks yeah, about it's that. It's like this, this, mm. there's a very strong imagery of that. Just like remember that trust that you had, very maternal, childlike faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It's and and then there's also the the whole sheep and and leader kind of a right. flock and sheep kind of followers. Right, conditioning you to be susceptible, susceptible. to a, a powerful yeah. leader, and it's encouraged. Too, right. because it, it yeah. implies that you are more open to receiving messages right. of hope and spiritual guidance if you are, you know, not letting skepticism get in the way. This right. cloud yeah. of, letting of go, yeah. you know, all these reason and skepticism, things that we would mm, think are, are obviously good. we probably agree that those are good things, but but that in that kind of realm they are roadblocks to this whatever this open right vessel what, what's so fascinating is. about what you're saying is when i was a christian and especially the more conservative phase of my christianity i was taught to fear the new age movement and it was from really? the devil it was l- really like spiritual you right spiritualism was the evil angels and the evil powers of the world the devil and all of his minions uh, basically using what limited spiritual power they had to deceive people and trick people but what's interesting is that we were taught the same skepticism about skepticism right so we were we were <laughs> also taught not to really like if you I remember explicitly being taught not to trust my own reason. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. because your mind is fallible and it is right. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're, um, you're susceptible to outside influences, which we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we really need to do is surrender ourselves to God and the Holy yeah. spirit. Mm-hmm. And that would guide our thinking. But when you start digging into that and you say, well, like, so surrendering yourself to to God and the Holy Spirit. What does that mean actually? Because mm-hmm. there, I don't see any God or Holy Spirit standing around here. Mm-hmm. So what it really means is surrendering yourself to the church or to religious leaders, right? Which is what you did, only it wasn't yeah. Christianity. It was this yeah. vague kind of abstract spirituality, whatever you want to call it. So yeah. what's what's so fascinating for me is that I was taught to fear people like you, mm-hmm. but we were actually under the sway of the same thing. I agree. Yeah. Yet at the yeah. same time, you had absolute certainty. And, and there's like, because uh, I had this conversation, a friend of mine, his father is a very religious uh, uh, person. And he, he's, he's uh, you know, he, he lives in Europe, but he, he's open to skepticism about almost everything except the certainty of eternal life and that Jesus is the son of God. Right. There is no, it's like these, there's, there's, always room for debate until you reach those two points mm-hmm. and there's no room for doubt because you have to you can't have doubt in that right the minute you introduce like that 1.1 percent what if the minute you start asking yourself that question that whole theory kind of collapses because you, right. you can't have doubt in that these are right. the two premises that eternal life done right no doubt i go back to jenga man i I go back to jenga (laughs) oh yeah yeah. those things are like the bottom blocks you pull that out the whole thing comes out but also it's terrifying right because if you if you do have doubt and and then there's so much superstition attached to you know bad things that will happen to you if you start sowing the seeds of doubt and and um, at least I don't know if you relate to that, Ryan, at all, but that's kind of where I would yeah. go. You know, the minute I would start having a s- sliver of, 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 uh, um, wait, wait, wait a minute type of, <laughs> type of, you know, brain yeah. fart, then, uh, it would quickly disappear again out of fear because right. I would, I would think, you know, okay, well, I'm closing off myself to, to 
a better life and, and to so it's the better same messages. guilt and shame that totally. controls you so i remember going to this thing called world works mm-hmm. which was like this human potential training kind of course and i learned a lot of good stuff from it you know i really did but there was always this kind of shame if you weren't able to be your best self at any given moment mm-hmm. and that was a kind of tool that the teachers or the gurus or whatever, we didn't call them gurus, but like the teachers would use to motivate you to be better. But it was, it was this kind of mind control in a way too. And there were the people who were really into it. And the minute, if you questioned, you were just not, you were shutting yourself down to possibility. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. There's, there's a, another great film. I think the, 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 I'm trying to remember what was the moment that I kind of like, oh, I guess, I guess I, 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 I can all of a sudden put my non-belief in, in a certain, can, can start framing that. I think it was, um, it was like an episode of bullshit. Oh yeah. And <laughs> Penn, and Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller, yeah. And I remember, I remember years ago I heard about this guy, Randy James, who – he has a great movie on Netflix called The Honest Liar. Yeah, James Randy. Yeah, yeah James the, Randy. The, uh, the Illusionist. Yeah, yeah sure. that's all right. I'm, yeah. The Amazing Randy. Yeah. The Amazing Randy. Yeah, it's a great and, film, by the way, if you can find it still on Netflix. And I knew about him because in Israel we had this huge celebrity called Uri Geller. Oh, yeah. The guy who would bend spoons with the right. power of his mind. <laughs> and and we were like, oh, my right God. Right up your alley. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> he, he was like this big celebrity because people were like, oh, my God, he has this mystical power and, and could do amazing supernatural things. And, and then Randy J- uh, James Randy came along and did that test, blind test, and proved, yeah, this guy is a total charlatan. Yeah, and I so remember crazy. this guy. I was like, "Wow, that was amazing!" And years later, I heard about Penn and Teller and their show Bullshit. And I think they had Hitchens on the show, uh-huh. and they had wow. a thing about Mother Teresa. Right? Oh man, he had a thing for Mother Teresa. <laughs> oh yeah, and I was, I was, you know, I I didn't know much about her, but I always thought, oh yeah, it's like that's like a really if anybody cool. deserved to be a saint, it would be yes, her. Yes, clearly, and that kind of changed. But he he said this one sentence. You know, he was, I don't know how many glasses of whiskey he had by that point, but he just said, very simply, faith is the surrender of the mind. Mm. And when when he said that, I all of a sudden kind of like this wall came and I was like, right. It just, it just kind of like this it one made sense. sense, this one sentence just mm. clarified this approach. Like, yes, it, there's just so many things that don't make sense that you con- continuously have to try to you know reinterpret it make make do with some fake argument to try and accept that some people believe these things but you, you, at a certain point you have to accept that there's, there's a certain point where the brain's like you know what i'm out i have nothing i can't explain it <laughs> yeah. uh, i got nothing so you gotta make that step and you gotta jump into this murky gray area where you just i can't help you there right and like you said when people are having delusions of 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 these experiences there i absolutely believe that they are real to them sure yes i mean in terms of the you know the chemistry of the brain they are real yeah you are actually having whatever experience that is yeah Mm -hmm. so it's not like you can tell a person oh that's not real like no i had that experience yeah i I believe you that you had it it's just it doesn't correspond to anything out here yeah right Right? in the world yeah we have we have the the 
perspective. And then all of a sudden I became more like, right, this is like a way to remove ourselves from our own biases and, mm. and, and have that's, you know, basically realize, oh, wait a minute. They kind of figured that out like thousands of years ago <laughs> and, and called, it's called science. Right. Yeah. And the way yeah. to remove your biases and see the world yeah. for what it really yeah. is. At least a ch- attempt to, you attempt know. Attempt to. Yeah. yeah. At least. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, the, the, uh, the thing was that the refreshing was like, actually being wrong is, is a, is a, you know, by proving something wrong, it's a great battle. It's like, yes, congratulations. It's a virtue. It's a virtue. Like, great. And that was the one thing that living in the Middle East, you, you can't, you, you, everybody's pointing at each other saying, you're wrong. Mm. But, because they think they're right. Right. It's not like you're wrong because this doesn't make any sense. Like Muhammad didn't rose on a horse into the heaven. He didn't fly. This didn't actually happen. Or Moses didn't actually part the Red Sea or all these magical things didn't actually happen. Or, you know, so at a certain point, they're they kind of like you're wrong because they look at that other story and go, oh, that's ridiculous. But right. but at the same time, they have this blind spot about their own beliefs. The way that I would say back when I was a pastor that Mormonism was ridiculous while holding to my <laughs> yeah. story, you know, which made perfect sense to yeah. me. Yeah. Jesus took a left turn from the Middle East and then he saw, what is it, uh, Utah? And he's like, oh, that's nice. I should... Yeah, but there. first he went to New York and hid the plates in oh, the backyard in of of Joseph Smith in New York, right? Yeah, before right. they made the trek across. Yeah, and uh, I thought that you know makes much more sense. Now. Yeah, but you know, compared to my world, you were like in a very archaic, sort of boring, old school style of like the right. one God belief, right? And yeah. It was <laughs> you just were not creative progressive enough and released. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, you know the, the fairies and all of that stuff, and I mean anything you can imagine was. It was a lot more exciting. Free game. Yeah, it's op- open. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you brought that keyboard along, and so we've been <laughs> dancing around this song for <laughs> for the last half an hour. So would you would you play it for us? Would, well, okay. Would you, give, would you give your power? I Yeah, I'll I'll put some power into my power song. And Ronan brought his uh, cajon, so yeah. he's going to accompany. So let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. Let's do it. Every single time And like the best of them You steal the best of me But I've had enough Of falling at your feet Won't give my power Power to you It's time for me to claim it My power is bigger than you Not your entertainment I'm taking back my freedom Taking back the freedom There's nothing
amazing um, thank you thank you yeah no that was incredible and i don't i mean i and i i confessed earlier that i'm not a uh, a recording studio music recording <laughs> artist i can barely record record this podcast so um <laughs> I think it, you're doing great any, yeah. It, yeah so it wasn't perfect uh but it was in my dining room so pretty damn good for my dining room yeah yep. and i appreciate you uh bringing your musical instruments and and doing that it was a real treat and I hope everyone will go and find your music, uh, GabbyGordon.com. And right. you have another uh, band that you're part of as well. Uh, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that in closing and what you guys are getting ready to do this summer. It's pretty exciting. We're, uh, we've teamed up with another singer, a Danish artist called Morten Kier. And um, we have a band together, Ronan and I and Morten, and it's called Ebb and Flow. And we write songs together and then we go on tour. And we're going on tour in June. Uh, and we'll and be all gone. The secular, yeah. sec- except we start in Israel, but then. Uh. Yeah, we're starting in Israel in <laughs> June, and then working our way to Germany and Denmark and Belgium and. Right England. as the U.S. campaign for the presidency is heating yeah. up, you we're guys yes. are like, we're, we're like, going out. to Scandinavia. Yeah. Fuck yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> we're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> the yeah. way it could have been. Right. Right. You guys just need to come over here yeah. to Scandinavia and figure out how people really live. Yeah. I mean, because every well, single report. Now I'm tangenting again, but every <laughs> single one of these like sort of like life satisfaction reports comes mm. back that these secular societies like Denmark and Sweden and uh, Norway are yeah. are far more um, healthy. People live longer. They're happier. They they're more charitable. They more... report more satisfaction with their life yeah. and all of that. Yeah, yeah. So. I think that's true and not coincidental that they're also the least religious. That's right. Yeah. Um, and they've turned to other things to meet the needs that religion historically has met. Yeah. Uh, needs for, you know, physical and and mental and emotional support. Yeah. Yes. Right? The government provides health care, so you don't have to worry about that. And yeah. you have other social supports provided by the society and and then the need for stories about you know magic and all that kind yeah. of thing fade away and they, and they have you know they have you know you go to denmark and there's like stories of of you know thor and all the, the mythical you know norway norwegian gods and then uh, danish gods and viking history it's 
it's full of of, of mythology, but it's 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 understood to be it's understood that way, yeah. and, and they're proud of it, and they celebrate it. I was I was in Sweden once, uh, and was really hoping to see the gnomes, but <laughs> I just didn't find the. I am no. so disappointed. We're looking hard enough. So I became a skeptic about about <laughs> gnomes. Interestingly, there was no evidence. <laughs> so are your songs that you the the music that you do with Ebb and Flow? Is it um, what kind of music is it? Um, it's I would say soulful pop music. Yeah, yeah. and um, you have a following there that kind of waits for you to come back every summer. You know, we have a really cool situation where we play to um, uh, a lot of home concerts. Oh, cool! And yeah. and we kind of go on this home concert tour, and uh, a lot of it is influenced by Morton because he does a lot of um, workshops with uh, a cappella choirs um, all over Europe and he's kind of hot oh, shit back there. Wow. And, and so that allows us a community of people who already appreciate music and um, vocal singing and, and is an attentive crowd and then we get them to sing along and it sounds beautiful and it's very, you know, community. Mm. Uh, yeah, sounds uh, great. Ish and, and, and personal and intimate. So... We get we get sort of the perfect experience. Does Morton come here to do one on a part as a part of this? Well, yeah, he, we, yeah. We just did one uh, oh. this week at the Rockwell. Oh, that's had, what that was that I missed. That's what that was yeah. Well, he, he's been living here for five years. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so he's been we've been cultivating our you know sound and everything here, making the music, recording it, and then we go tour with it back in Europe. Yeah. So that's kind of a, a and we sweet can setup. Find your music with him online somewhere. We haven't released it yet, but we will this summer. Awesome! Um, yeah. But we have a Facebook, Eben Eben Flow Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, if you, anybody wants to follow us, they're welcome to. And we yeah. also do home concerts in the states in case people are interested in that. So I'll put all the links in the show notes so yeah. people can just easily link to your um, solo work and also uh, Eben Flow and. Um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I'm so glad that we got a chance to sit down and talk about all this. There's so much more. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I could open another, you know, uh, growler, growler yeah. beer here. We could keep going for another couple of hours, but we all have a day to get to tomorrow. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so. no, thank you for giving us an yeah. opportunity to um, share some crazy stories. And yeah. Oh, it's, it's a fascinating story. I mean, this is what I love about what I do here because... I mean, where am I going to meet a Danish woman and an Israeli man who come from these wildly different backgrounds and, and then meet and, and they're, they're, your stories are still evolving, of course. Yeah, sure. But you find this middle ground where your, you know, your love of, of art meets your love of truth. And, and, and yet, I mean, and I think, I mean, if we had another half hour... Uh, I would love to. Maybe we'll just do this again another time. I'm I'm curious about this word spirituality because clearly the way mm-hmm. you were practicing it and exploring it was, um, sort of off the deep end in a kind of way and and mm-hmm. very harmful to you and others um, that were involved in that. But there is a kind of soulfulness that and i don't know what else you know that's kind of again a word that it, it, the root word is soul which is a religious yeah. word which we don't i mean i don't think that there's a soul per se mm-hmm. but we continue to use this word soulfulness to indicate something intangible about our humanity that mm-hmm. it, that, that is that is um you know when even just this conversation we're having across the table there's um a kind of um you know, empathy and connection and, and, and support mutuality that, that is, um, 
that that we experience in life that that is I think best evoked in poetry and music and art exactly. of other types, you know. And yeah. so it's it's interesting that you you had this spiritual, so to say, experience that was really damaging, and then you've sort of given that up, thankfully. It sounds like, and yeah. then, but then you continue to do something which, in another way of using the word, sounds. Yeah. Somewhat spiritual in a way. Yeah. I guess I could say shortly. I think you just it's just transformed into a much healthier self searching. You know, I think yeah. that's ultimately what it is, and um, trusting one oneself. And you know, so for example, when writing a song, it's no longer divine intervention. I believe in it's just learning to trust my my own instincts and my voice, and cultivating yes. a healthy relationship with my mm-hmm. with with um. With myself and my thoughts, and yeah, and I think even in the lyrics of the song we just heard, you know, mm-hmm. it comes it comes out like, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what the lyrics are, but you say something about like I'm like you're enough, like you're yeah, gonna taking back my freedom. And, yes, yeah. yeah, the most precious thing I got is me. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, the most precious thing that any of us have is is us. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, the best gift we can give to another person is our true, authentic self. Right? Like, yeah, it's an yeah. Un, un, filtered through some other kind of bullshit that, you know, sort of limits us and, and minimizes our, yeah. our identity. That's I, beautiful, right? Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I think that there's a, there's a real, we still have these experiences when we play music. I, I think it's more of a consciousness thing. There's like a, there's certain, still a certain high. It's, it's, it's yeah. weird because you, you experience these, um, when you're playing sometimes, you're almost observing yourself doing this right you're like how is this happening right now right am i you, you you almost like you don't want to interfere with that side of you you get to get a chance to experience something playing it and i'm sure from from the audience side if you just kind of i want to say let go and surrender but uh you, you kind of do just though kinda, i think this is this is maybe why we maybe artists are more prone to be susceptible to that spiritual or more magical kind of because there's a certain real experience when you play music and you really you know we've had we've had shows where we just play in someone's living room and there's no mics and it's all acoustic and Mm -hmm. it's just human voices in the room Mm -hmm. and 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 you know even while i'm playing you're kind of busy thinking about what you're doing but just experiencing that Mm. there's something really beautiful and amazing about that this yes. human it's it's something i feel that is very human this this music this coordinating these sounds and voices i mean it's all around us in nature and it's right. one of those early things we probably were able to communicate with sounds and voices but speaking as like this more advanced maybe updated version of our communication but music feels almost like primitive and and just kind of like of one of our core visceral yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so there's there's this experience where sometimes yeah. you get this real high when you perform and 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 especially when it's when you can see it connecting with other people I, you know it's I, amazing this word that was really taboo when i was uh religious and now i see it as a good word and it, it's this this word carnal mm. and it means like fleshly earthly earthly and flesh like like sex is carnal yeah Yeah, and i think music and art can be that way too it channels that kind of direct connection to yeah like like love and beauty and and all that stuff so i don't know i I think it's great and 
So, well, anyway, we could go on forever, but yeah. yeah. Thank you guys pleasure. so much for coming yes. over. This has been great. For us yeah. too. For Thank us you too. so much. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll have to do it again. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. It was a real treat to have uh, Ronan and Gabby over and to uh, to have them play music live in my dining room. Um, you know, it's not a perfect recording, as I said, uh, but, you know, we're not set up to record music. But it's pretty darn good uh, for for the system that we had here. And I just so appreciate them on the last sort of last minute coming over and doing that. I hope that you will, uh, yay, I beg you to go to uh, Gabby's website, gabbygordon.com. The link will be in the show notes. Check out all of her stuff. Uh, her music is there. You can preview it. There's a link to where you can buy it on Bandcamp. Do that. Go to her website. Buy her music. I hope the song that you heard here on this show uh, is enough to get you to want to check out the rest of her music. That song, by the way, Power, uh, hasn't been recorded uh, that I know of. It's certainly not on her album that she has out right now. So you heard it here first, uh, Power by Gabby Gordon uh, with Ronan Gordon on the Cajon it's an important song uh, that impacted me back when I first heard it a couple of years ago, and I hope that it will resonate with you, many of you, um, and that it can be an anthem of sorts for getting your power back. If you want to learn more about Life After God, you can visit our website at lifeaftergod.org. All the links to our social media are there. Follow us and join the conversation. Uh, it's a lively conversation we have going on on our Facebook page, and you can follow us as well on Twitter. There's a lot more to Life After God than just the podcast. Check out our website and learn more about what we're doing. Working on next week's podcast already. Just recorded a great conversation, and uh, I look forward to bringing that to you next week. Until then... My name is Ryan Bell, and this has been the Life After God Podcast. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.